When the sun goes down and the moon lights the sky, I am there, lurking in the shadows. <laughs> Check us out on Facebook. Playing you the greatest hits of all time. When the sun goes down and the moon lights the sky, Check us out on Facebook. I'm just an average man with an average life. I work from nine to five. Hey, hell, I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone in my average home. But why do I always feel like I'm in the twilight zone? And I always feel like...
Check us out on Facebook. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. and today check us out on Facebook it's astounding time is fleeting madness takes its toll but listen closely not for very much longer I've got to keep control
just a jump to the left. And then a stretch to the right. With your hands on your hips. Greatest hits of all time. Oh no, little Timmy's got hold of a marker pen. My wall looks like a coloring book. What am I going to do? Flash! Ah! Cleans up the impossible! Wow, he's really made a mess. It's a pain, but we won't stress. In the hall, he's drawn overall. On the wall, lots of scrolls, but we can clean this up. Flash Magic Eraser, we love you. Flash! Wake up, soldier! It's 6.15am, Ballon Boot Camp. The pigeons are sleeping. You wish you were too. You're in line with the other squaddies. PT Full Metal Janet appears inches from your face. Now drop and give me 20! 20 what, exactly? You can't tell there's so much mud in your ear. We recommend you go AWOL immediately and head down to Curry's PC World. You'll find more civilised advice on a great range of wearable tech. Start training on your own terms, with no bombastic brigadier to stamp on your good intentions. Jog on, Janet. Curry's PC World. We start with you. You're number one. When the sun goes down and the moon lights the sky, I am there, lurking 
Afternoon, welcome to the Guilty Gazilla podcast with me, Dennis Devon. And today we are very welcome to join Justin Allen, who's the Chief Football League writer and columnist. And good afternoon. Good, good, good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? I'm all right. How are you today? I'm I'm very very good. I'm down in uh, Kent at the moment, and it's uh, absolutely chucking down with rain, but nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much like that whole whole of the UK, isn't it? Just now. Yeah, yes, it is. It is. Well, Justin, I know you're a really busy man. Obviously, it's a very hectic lifestyle you lead. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Justin. Um, well, I, I'm the Chief Football League writer at the Sun newspaper. Uh, so, basically, I look after, well, the entire Football League. So, basically, I, I, I report and cover on 72 football teams, uh, you know, wh- wh- whether it's uh, Carlisle or, y- 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 you know, Reading or, 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 or Portsmouth or Sunderland, you know, all over the country. Uh, I, I, I don't really get much time at home. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the country all throughout the week. Um, and, yeah, meet lots of interesting people, do interviews and cover football matches. That, that's it in a nutshell, really. Brilliant. It must be exciting stuff to do, and it's obviously really busy. I mean, what's an average day like, say, for covering a Premier League match? What's your average day like? Right. Okay. I mean, I mean, um, it, it, well, if if I was covering a Premier League game, uh, what on a, on a Saturday, for argument's sake. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm I cover the football league now, but but back in the days when I was doing Premier League, so let's say I was doing Tottenham v West Ham. Um, you know, I'd, I'd get up in the morning um, and do a bit of research on the two clubs. Uh, obviously, read all the stories and interviews that have taken place during the week. Um, and then yeah, make my 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 way to the to, to the ground. If it's a three traditional three o'clock kickoff, get there about one o'clock. Uh, the most important part of the day is getting your lunch right. So uh... <laughs> absolutely, to get any free food. So, <laughs> normally, Premier League clubs uh, put on a nice nice buffet for you or a lunch. So so yeah, get, get, grab grab something to eat. Um, and then yeah, just just uh, you know wait for the teams to to, to you know to see if there's any surprises. Maybe there's a new a, a new player, a deputant. Uh, look, look that player up and see what what his history is like, and then yeah, the the match starts. Um, so if it was a three o'clock game, um, so the game's going to finish at about quarter to five, right? Got usually you have to get your copy over by about six. So you watch the game. Um, obviously, take notes during the match. I generally would you know, write what's called running commentary. So I, I would be typing as the game's going on various bits and then you edit it down as, you know, certain parts of the game become less significant. It all depends what happens in a match. And then when the game ends, you know, you start thinking of your angle um, and then you go into a press conference um, and, you know, they bring both managers in. Um, you know, there'd, there'd be probably on average uh, Premier League game, depending on, I mean, if, if, it, if, it, if it was Tottenham, there'd, there'd probably be at least 30 reporters in there. Um, wow. And you all try and fire a 
you know, you'd only probably get five to 10 minutes maximum of the manager being in there. Um, so, you know, raise your hand. Hopefully you, you get a question, you ask a question, you get the answers and then there you go. And then, and then, and then, yeah. And then, and then really you, you then work out what, what, sort of quotes you want to put into your match report sometimes it i mean if it's a really significant game uh they might want um what's called a quotes piece uh which would be on the back page or on the front page of our football pullout um and and then and then yeah you'd write up your match report your, your quotes piece and uh yeah job done go home grab some dinner the second most important part of the day <laughs> well i mean <laughs> if members just right you were the first uh, major national newspaper interview with harry kane at his home i believe you were the first to do that before anybody really knew yeah. harry kane was absolutely yeah um what it was actually i, I used to know andros townsend uh, uh really well right at the start of his career because his dad troy used to be the assistant manager at a non-league club because i live in kent um uh, he was assistant manager at dover athletics so i knew I knew Troy really well, and through him, I got interviews with Andros Townsend. And Andros Townsend had an agent at the time called Marlon Fleshman. And Marlon just happened to be the agent of Harry Kane, um, and he was trying to promote Harry Kane at the time. And I got a call one day from Marlon, and he said, uh, Justin, um, really want to push, uh, get some coverage for Harry. I, I think Harry had just broken into the um, into the Europa League team. I think he played some League Cup games, but he hadn't actually played. He hadn't started a Premier League match. And he was due to make his debut against Sunderland. He got the heads up that he was going to get get his debut against Sunderland. I think it was on a Monday night, if memory serves me correctly. And um, he said to me, the you know, I think it was on the Wednesday, the week before, do you want to come up and do an interview with him? Um so I said, sure, sure. So uh, we arranged the interview and it was at his house. It was Harry's house. He lived up in the sort of the North London area, I think near Enfield, I think it was, somewhere like that. And um, yeah, went up there and it, and he was still living with his mum and dad. Um, and actually, Harry answered the door, you know, he answered the door. <laughs> wow. Uh, let in. Um, Marlon, his agent, was in the lounge. Uh, Harry was there. I, I had a photographer that was with us. Um, so he, he was with us. And Harry offered me tea, biscuits, uh, when his kitchen got tea and biscuits. Very, very friendly. Um, I had, and then you're sort of thinking, right, you know, Harry Kane. I didn't really know much about Harry Kane. In fact, hardly anyone knew who Harry Kane was at the time. Um, and I had this idea. I'm always trying to think of, like, fun ideas for pictures and things. And, and I said, and I'd already sort of spoke to the agent about this before. I said, is there any chance? And I, 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 I know this might sound a bit corny. Would he dress up as Michael Kane? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story by the way and and he said well why the hell would he want to dress up as michael Caine? i said well look here's my idea michael Caine used to be famous for saying not a lot of people know that right so this is harry Caine. not a lot of people know who he is and here's the first ever interview he's done brilliant introduced so and do you know what harry did harry did dress up as michael kane we did the photo shoot and he and he dressed up as him and uh it was just for fun it was just for you know because because i think sometimes footballers they can take themselves a bit too seriously i think sometimes it's good to see that fun element of them um so harry did it uh and then yeah we did the interview and yeah harry went on and made his debut um he he actually had a purple patch of goals he scored quite a lot of goals and I think a few weeks later, Marlon rang me. He goes, Justin, do you know what? He's in great form. And it was just ahead of the World Cup in Brazil, I think it was. Yeah, to, uh, 2014, it was Brazil, wasn't it? So he said, do you reckon you could do an article, get Kane on the plane <laughs> for the England squad? <laughs> so uh, 
so yeah, I, I, I rang up, I rang up, uh, I rang up Harry, and we did another interview. So yeah, you know, so um, and I have to say, I, I'm absolutely chuffed uh, what he's gone on and done. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I mean, I thought he'd do well, but not as well <laughs> of course as. I- end up to be the player that he is. I mean, he's obviously now a global superstar. Well, obviously, I think he made his debut, his premier debut was against Newcastle United, and I believe he lost that as well. Come on, as a 86-minute sub for Sandro, and I think Spurs actually lost the match yeah. 2-1, so that's some debut for yeah. him. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But as I say, but, but as I say, this was ahead of his, as I say, it was Sunderland was his first start. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, look, it, it, was, it was absolutely incredible, and, and I think a year, I mean, a year later, he was playing in the League Cup final. I know they lost. He hasn't, he hasn't actually won anything with Tottenham. And uh, but no, look, it's great to see him in an England shirt. I, I, you know, I, I mean, that was his ambition. Um, he, he was a really nice, really nice, really courteous man, uh, and and very articulate and, and intelligent as well. And he seems to have good family values, which I really, really liked about him. Yeah, his mum Kim seems lovely. Uh, obviously, you are one of the first journalists to get far engine access to the. Super League in China. What? How did that come about? And what was that like? <laughs> Very funny, actually. Right. So I was in. I was in my local Tesco's down here in Folkestone in Kent, and um, I got a phone call from a news editor uh, at, uh, at, at the time, a guy called Ben Bacon. He no longer works with us, uh, but he, he was the news editor of the Sun, the Sun's uh, sports desk. He said, uh, "Justin, is there any chance uh, you could pop over to China? <laughs> like, like you <laughs> like, could just like you do." <laughs> like, and I said. Well, and what he said, we want a good old fashioned, like, you, you know, feature on, you know, do it over three parts, maybe about what all the fuss is about. Why? Why is there so much money? You know, what, 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 in China, what, what, why, why, why is it? Why are all these players going over? What's it all about? What excitement is it generating, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, so so I had to go to China. So but the thing is, it wasn't it was actually quite a complicated process because you can't just, as he said, pop over to China. Uh, there's a thing called a visa, obviously, before you go over. Um, <laughs> I found it quite problematic because um, you have to get an invitation to go over there if you are a journalist, because the correct way to go over is as a journalist. Um, and for love of the money, you could not find anyone to invite you over because you were foreign media. There was real, because obviously it's a communist regime over there and it's all very tightly controlled. So in, in the end, um, I, 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 we, we went over to Hong Kong, me and a photographer, and we got um, a, a visa, like a next day visa as tourists. Um, and we went in as tourists. Um, and it was really it was really difficult because um, obviously, <laughs> you know, we don't speak Chinese. That's always <laughs> coming, sure. <laughs> I mean, I know China, Chinese is probably the most spoken language in the world, right? But um, in terms of because there's, the there's, there's obviously billions of people that speak Chinese. But but literally, we, we you know, so we, we went to Hong Kong, got our visa, got in there. We, but we had a guide, um, a guy who worked for the BBC recommended him. And he was really, really helpful. And and, and we, we we basically, the idea was to just get as many interviews and get as much insight as we could. And Ian Walker, the um, ex-Tottenham and England goalkeeper, was out there coaching and we met him in a hotel and we did an interview with him and I remember um he was te- he was out there on his own actually because he had his wife and his and his and his little boy over there and he had to send his little boy back because they were finding uh traces of metal would you believe in wow. in, in his blood 
in his blood because of the pollution. Um, so, 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 so we did. We did an interview with Ian. Um, we met. Uh, I think Denver Bar was, was 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 out there. Uh, Ramirez, the ex Chelsea player, met him. Um, Tim Cahill was playing for one of the sides out there. Um, so yeah, I was out there for about three weeks, uh, and actually towards the end of it, right, me, I was out there with my photographer, and we 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 thought, you know what, we've been out here all this time, we haven't even gone to see the Great Wall of China. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm all over so China. We were, yeah, so we were due we were due to go back, and I thought, oh, it'd be such a shame not to see it, and we were due to fly back. I think the, the, a couple of days later, but there was an opportunity to interview Phil Scolari, who was managing one of the teams out there, and I thought. I really hope my bosses will let me stay for an extra few days <laughs> to do that. And actually, if they agree to that, we can go see the Great Wall of China while, while we're at it. And thank God they, they said, yeah, go for it, Justin. Go and get an interview with Phil Scolari. So, so, we, so we got our interview with Phil Scolari and then we went and saw the Great Wall of China. But, but by the way, with, with China, I came back actually and months later, I got asked to go out there again. So I went out there again and I spent another two weeks out there um and there was a guy called gary white an english guy who was coaching a team and there was a guy who actually played non-league football in england a guy called jack seeley who was playing would you believe chinese super league football wow and was getting yeah and i think i mean he wasn't one of the high earners but every time they won a match i think he got 10 grand bonus so you know and he was probably i think he was telling me he was on 50 quid and, and a packet of peanuts you know after, <laughs> yeah. after he and so, yeah, but look, it was phenomenal. It was a, oh, I met Sven Goran Eriksson. Um, yeah, he was there. It, it was very, it was, it, it was, it was a very interesting place. Uh, the people were very friendly. Um, but there was, I mean, I mean, the, the Sven Goran Eriksson one, that was an interesting one because um, I'd spoken to Sven and he said, look, Justin, um, meet me after the game, come into the press conference room, approach me, introduce yourself and, and we'll go off to my office and we'll do the interview. Um, now, because we hadn't gone into China on a, a journalism visa, so you're not recognised as journalists, they wouldn't give you um, media accreditation, unfortunately. So I, I managed to get tickets for the game through the club. But I said, look, I need to meet Sven afterwards. How do I get access to Sven? And they wouldn't they wouldn't let me have access to him. They wouldn't let me actually meet him um, in the press conference room. So we ended up in this, in this ridiculous situation where we had to meet him in a hotel, you, you, you know, in the end. Um, but, you know, we got the interview with him and, and he, he was very nice. And, uh, you know, he's obviously he, he's obviously done well for himself throughout his career. But um, but no, a fascinating place. And, um, yeah, I would definitely love to go again one day. I read one of your articles about, about David Billion, uh, the man you Lisa. Yes. I read that and I thought it was an outstanding article. And, and what was the inspiration to that? What was the creative process like in putting that story? together because i say i thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> yeah yeah what well, you know what it was i I'd, I'd heard that david bellion i just read somewhere i think i, 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 I yeah i just read somewhere that that he was involved in a in, in a museum in 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 an art museum i think it was in in paris and i thought wow that's quite quirky do you know what i mean so because he obviously used to be a premier league footballer and I just thought it'd be quite interesting. I, I quite like doing interviews sometimes that are a little bit outside the box, uh, something's a little bit out, un, un, unusual. Um, and, and, and you can actually see the personality of a footballer rather than just the person that you see out on the field. What, what, what makes him tick, you know? 
Um, so, so I thought that's quite interesting. You know, you know, he, he used to be a footballer. Now, now he's sort of running a museum. <laughs> so I, 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 it took me a couple of weeks to manage to get a contact. And in the end, I managed to get hold of him. He said, yeah, yeah, come, come out, Justin, whenever you want. And, um, yeah, when I met him, um, and yeah, uh, he, he, he had his little bicycle. He met me outside a cafe uh, or restaurant. Unfortunately, the restaurant was fully booked at the time. But um, they said, oh, come back in like half an hour, 40 minutes. So we went off and, and you know, we just started doing the interview somewhere else. And then we went we went for dinner um, and he just told me about his life, really, and, 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 and about how he really never was in love with football. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously a, he was obviously OK. He wasn't like the greatest footballer, but but he was certainly played at a good level. He played in the Premier League. He played in the Champions League, you know, he, and he's played in the championship, that sort of level. But he never was in love with the game. It, it was almost like he, he had he had other interests, you know, and I think art was always a big love of his and, you know, and fashion and all that sort of thing. And he's involved in some sort of club out there, which which mixes fashion, art and food. Um, which is quite interesting. I, I just found him a fascinating guy, and 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 he, and he he was just so content, and yeah, he, he was just full of so many great stories, and uh, yeah, it, it, you know, and just a lovely gentleman as well. Yeah, he was dubbed the uh, the they thought he'd be the next Thierry Henry at one point. Outstanding that's player. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he but, but he, he was telling me though, you know, when when you're actually a Premier League footballer, sometimes you don't enjoy it. You feel you're in a bit of a golden cage. You can't just fly off on holiday and be with your mates or and do the usual things. Um, I mean, obviously, if it was a short career, but but people forget actually for that for that sort of fifteen years that they're involved, they do make quite a lot of sacrifices. Yeah, I think he described it as the Premier you know, Premier League football was beautiful, but it is, it is a golden cage. It's... Yeah, that's right. So, talking about yourself, you're award winning yourself, Kent Young Journalist of the Year for nineteen ninety seven. I believe you were the first ever only sports writer to win that event, All Round Journalist Award. My word, yeah, that was 23 years ago. Christ, that's when you, you really do feel old when, when you start saying that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, was, I, was, um, I was 21 at the time. Um, I got into journalism in, in Kent on my, on my local newspaper, the East Kent Mercury. Um, it really was a fantastic education. Um, I, I started working there when I was 19. I was going to do a, a university degree in maths, actually. Um, and I, I used to watch, as I watched a local team, Dover Athletic, and there was a local sports reporter who I became friends with, and he got he offered me some work experience. Um, and I did some work experience there, and then he ended up getting a job at Reuters. And he said, "Why don't you go for my job?" And I said, "Well, I haven't got any qualifications in in journalism, you know. I mean, I've got no chance." He goes, "No, no, they really like you, Justin. Go for it." And um, they got me in as um, an editorial assistant. They couldn't call me the, the sports editor or whatever officially, so I went in as an editorial assistant. There was a great editor there who, who was getting towards the end of his career. He was a TV anchor man actually down here in the south called Malcolm Mitchell. He used to be quite well known down here. He used to be a, as I say, the TV anchor man. Uh, for Southern Television, and he just a fantastic education to learn from him uh, for the first two years of my career. And yes, I went on to win the Kent Young Journalist of the Year. Um, and what that was because I did a campaign. Um, the local team Dill Town were in danger of losing their ground. They were in the Kent League at the time, but it was put in trust for for Dill Town for the people of Dill for football. And we did a campaign and we saved the ground basically. Um, wow, we did lots of coverage, you know, proper, proper, proper local newspaper stuff, really, uh, Dennis. And, um, and yeah, I was very fortunate and, and very honoured to win that award. Uh, Bob Holness was was the uh, the judge. You remember Bob Holness, the old blockbusters no, host? I... You might. 
So he 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 was he was the judge, and and then and then I, I went on I went on and did a course actually. Um, I was sent to Hastings for a few months, and it was like a diploma in journalism. And I came back to the newspaper, and then I was fortunate enough to win another one, which was um, South uh, England Sports Writer of the Year. Yeah, and then and then from there I went I went I went to the Evening Argus in Brighton. I was there. I had two great years there. That was a daily newspaper, so I went from week to daily. And then I went I went on to the Daily Express, Daily Star. I did some shifts for the Mirror, and then really it just went from there. Really. So what what was your inspiration to get you into to reporting to become a journalist? What sort of drove that? Just my love for football. I mean, I mean, like any, anyone who loves football, you know, you used to play with your friends, didn't you, from an early age? You, you know, you used to imagine, you know, playing in a World Cup final. Or, I mean, I mean, Gary Lineker was my hero. Uh, Tony Cotty, because I was a West Ham fan back then. They actually had a decent team back then as well. N- nearly won the league actually in, in 1986. Yeah, so. so, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, you love a football. Uh, probably wasn't well, not probably. I, I most definitely wasn't good enough to become a professional footballer. Uh, I, I'd have only been probably a, a county league level. player player at best and even that's a stretch so what's the next best thing, best thing really and and I, I i just loved it you know and i, I love talking to people i love i love meeting people because I, I i think that to be a good journalist you have to be a people person and it doesn't matter what genre you're in whether you're a sports journalist or a political journalist or a showbiz journalist or whatever you do but of course my love of football really so that was my inspiration more than anything and i used i used to um spend hours actually in, in um supermarkets uh, and news agents reading the sports pages so i suppose subconsciously and i, and I remember my mum going to an open evening once at school and they said um in a parents evening should i say and they said he, he, he writes in a very journalistic style so i think all those it, it just all aligned perfectly for me and i think i i was obviously lucky when i was 19 to get that first break and then it's it, you, you have to make the most of it once you get that opportunity we're quite blessed in the uk to have some amazing football stadiums but what are your top three football stadiums in the uk that you visited Oh my god, that's a really, really difficult question. I've got to say, the San Zero was absolutely incredible. I went to the San Zero uh, for the Champions League final. Wow! Uh, between Atletico and Real Madrid, and that that I mean that was phenomenal. I mean, it's such an iconic stadium, isn't it? Um, so I mean, I mean that for sure was was a marvelous. Um, Anfield, without a doubt, um, I, I, I covered quite a few Liverpool games um, um, when, when, when our um, Merseyside reporter was on holiday. I, I, w- I would be sent up there. And just when they do, you'll never walk alone, you, uh, you, 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 you know, we'll never walk alone. It, it was just absolutely unbelievable. It just, it just makes you go all tingly. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. Really. It really does. Um, now, this is controversial, but because I was a boyhood West Ham fan, Upton Park for me. <laughs> oh, the bowling ground, absolutely. Bowling ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it really was fantastic. Um, um, I really miss that place. I don't think we should have moved from it. Nope. The London Stadium isn't as good. Um, it was a proper old-fashioned football ground. And we used, we used to... You used to be intimidating, you know. Um, so, yeah, for me... They're the top three, but I mean, I mean, you, you know, I've been all around the world. The one, the one, the one I haven't been to actually is the Bernabeu. I'd love to go there. Oh, it's amazing. Have you been there? I have, yeah. Oh, I've come, I'm, I'm the same. I've traveled, I've been to nearly pretty much every 
club in Spain and Italy and that. Obviously, I'm a Glasgow Celtic fan, so obviously when you say you never walk alone, a Champions League night at Celtic Park is is something to to dream about. And obviously, I've been to San Siro and experienced experienced yeah. defeat quite a lot. But you know that was yeah. one of the, one of the finest stadiums <laughs> for me. Uh, we left the ground getting applauded as fans by workers and fans and stuff. So, and the Bernabeu yeah. was just, uh, I mean, that was an amazing experience. I went to a, a, a derby game there and I just never experienced anything like it. But one Did of the- you know what? You know I would love to go to the old firm derby. That, that's that's definitely on my on my bucket list as well. I, I've never been up to, to, I've never been to a Scottish game actually, to my shame. I really must get myself up and just, just come up even if I'm not working actually. I must do that at some point. Well, also I'm a big Celtic fan, but if you're ever going up to Scotland to watch a football game, I would go to Pataudry and watch an Aberdeen yeah. game because the atmosphere there is electric and it's easy to go to Celtic Rangers when we are such massive clubs. But sometimes yeah. the atmosphere is so much better. I mean, Falkirk versus Partick this year, I mean, they're, they're so far apart, but the, the passion for the two clubs is unbelievable. When you go to a game like that, it's an amazing atmosphere from start to finish, and that's that's something I really experienced and enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. No, I, 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 do you know what? I, I think we're we're unique in this country, aren't we? Where 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 we've got like the most amazing football pyramid. I mean, in Scotland, obviously, the passion in, in the in the SPL and and then in English football. I mean, I find it remarkable that you know you go even right down to National League North, and you got teams down there getting three or four thousand. Do you know what I mean? It, it really is. The strength of English football is incredible, and 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 this is what worries me about the COVID situation. It'd be such a tragedy if we start losing losing clubs and 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 you know those great passionate derby days that we get all the way through our through our levels. Yeah, that's it. I run the media for our, our local non-league club, Carlisle City. And that's our biggest concern just now because we're sort of stuck in the middle with COVID. We're surrounded yeah. by tier three. We're currently in tier sort of tier two. But obviously right. in our league, the EBAC Northern League, most of our teams are from the northeast and some of them are about to go to tier three. So we, we don't actually know week in, week out where we're actually going. However, the weekend we just had a fantastic result which took us top of the league. So we're quite right. pleased with that, yeah. <laughs> call it call it now. <laughs> so what's I mean I'm oh, sorry. No go Justin, sorry, my apologies. No, 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 no. I, I was just about to say, I, I mean, you know, it's been sort of strange reporting on the matches without fans. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's just it's just it's just not the same. It really no. isn't. So if you had some advice for anybody starting out in journalist, to be a journalist, what, what advice would you give them? Right. OK, well, well, first, first of all, obviously, you've got to have a passion for, for the subject that you're writing about. I mean, I mean, you, you know, without a doubt, because if you're not interested in it, you 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 you. you do you know what I mean? I just don't think you're going to be as good. I just think the passion of it straight away, you know, gives you an edge over other journalists. You've got to be tenacious. You've got to be tenacious. You're going to get lots of rejections. For example, if I want an interview, it's so hard to get interviewed sometimes, especially at top level clubs, and you'll get rejected, um, and and you'll 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 get fobbed off. Basically, you'll, there will always be 101 reasons why someone can't do an interview. But don't give up. Keep asking and keep being an annoying git, actually. <laughs> and, you know, and, and just get to know as many people as you can. Talk to as many people as you can. Um, it really is the most important tool to be a journalist. The more contacts, because that's called contacts. You build up contacts doing that. And, you know, it could be a difficult week, one week, where you think, Do you know what, we've we got four pages. I've got four pages to fill here. 
what am I going to fill it with? You know, <laughs> if you haven't got contacts, you, you know, you, you can't do it. So it's, it's, you know, like this week, for example, I'm thinking, right, what am I going to do our League One section on? I'm thinking I might do Portsmouth. I know Sean Raggett very well. I've known him from non-league football days. He's he scored the winner, by the way, for Lincoln up at Burnley uh, to get them into the FA Cup quarter final when he they were did, in the yeah. Um So Sean, you know, I know him. I've known him for years. So there you are. There you are. A contact that I've known for years. Um, you, you know, done lots of stuff with him. I took him to go and meet Ian Wright because he's a lifelong Arsenal fan. Actually, I took him to meet Thierry Henry. So, so you, you know, they, they remember that. And, and when you pick up the phone to them, they're going to answer your call, you know. That, that's 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 the key. You 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 make as many friends and 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 you you know just 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 be a people's person and and as I say, be tenacious. Never give up. It's the most important uh, piece of advice I could give to anyone. So, Justin, what's the best thing you love about your job? The most important, well, watching football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Just watching football. I mean, look, you know, you, you were just we were talking earlier about China. I went, I went to the World Cup in Brazil, for example, um, the Euros in France, just traveling around and, you know, meeting different people, experiencing different cultures. Um, I'm actually loving the EFL, the EFL job I've had for the last two seasons. I've really, really have enjoyed it because I've got a column every week that I, that I do on a Monday. I can write about absolutely anything. I mean, my, my piece this week was about Berry Football Club, you know. Yeah. I've, I've, a few times and met their fans who are a terrific bunch of supporters I, I think what's happened to their club really is so heartbreaking um and they're trying to get it going again i mean obviously they've got a phoenix club going but berry football club itself you know that that's that's still around and i just i just yeah i just love meeting people and talking to people and you make so many friends in football you really do um but yeah so so i'd say all those things um yeah but but ultimately watching football and getting paid for it <laughs> and what's the most challenging thing about your job deadlines deadlines um um you know and sometimes expectations um and i'm not just talking about you know where i work now all through your career you know you you you, you your editor might want a, a certain story and, and you can't deliver it you know it, it because 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 of various reasons you know um you you, you might know someone that, that, that your editor want, wants an interview with and you can't do it because of, of various reasons and 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 you, you know you just sometimes have to hold off on things you can't always report what 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 you want to report as well uh because 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 you've got relationships that you have to consider um but yeah look dead, deadlines are the most most challenging thing i i i think I'll tell you one of the most challenging things, actually, if you're writing a football match report is if you're doing a late match. So you're doing an evening game. The copy has to literally be dropping when the referee blows that full time whistle. It literally yeah. has to be. Moment. So it doesn't help when a team's one nil up and then there's two late goals. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to completely rewrite uh, so basically you've got to get a formula going so you write the, the, you write the match and you've always got to think what happens if there's you've always got to have it in the back of your mind a plan B. <laughs> absolutely and a plan c as well because, you know, <laughs> i can't off to my head remember but, but but there's been games before where it's one nil and it goes two one and then it incredibly goes two all, you know. So because that that's the thing, and especially in the EFL, I mean you, you just see so many goals in matches and you get bonkers games. But yeah, but uh, yeah, that's the most challenging thing I'd say. Looking back, what things do you wish you'd known before you started your career? 
things I'd known, things I'd known. Um, that is a really, really good question. You, you've almost you you you've bowled me a bit of a bouncer there, haven't you? So, uh, <laughs> um, um, look, it's experience, isn't it? Experience brings you know you learn things as you go along. You're never going to know things early on. I think. The one thing I would say, I wish I was a lot more confident in my earlier years. I think I think if I believed in myself, I mean, look, I wouldn't say, by the way, I, I was short of confidence massively. But if I was more confident and not so shy when I was 20, 21, 22, I mean, I, you, you know, I know I won those awards. But I think when you get to a national level, when you get to national newspaper level, you've got to be you've got to be thicker skinned. Yeah, you've got to be skin you've got to have a thicker skin um you can't be too sensitive you you just have to take the criticism because because um you can't please everyone all the time um that's the biggest you know the biggest thing i'd say but you know as i say you you can't be too hard on yourself because because you because if you get into it at the age that i got into it which was 19 you're not going to have all those skills at 19 you just evolve as you go along but but i would say yeah you just got to grow a thick skin i'd say that's the that's 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 the thing that i wish i'd known when i was 19 so how would you say things have changed in journalism since you first started work? Right. Well, look, when I when I first started, it, it was it, it, um, the Internet was was in its infancy. So uh, back then, literally, it was newspapers. It came out once a week, you know, and then when I went to dailies, it was, you know, you, you had your daily um, deadline, whatever. Now it, it's 24 um, seven. You know, you might get a tip on a story at 11 o'clock in the morning you in the old days you could you could hold that that would go in the next morning's paper you know or the evening paper if you're working for a daily regional you you now have to make decisions about right that story will it be an exclusive in 30 minutes never mind in six hours do you know what i mean so i think that i think social media i think social media is you know obviously you know is is, 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 has changed a lot of the way it's done now um everyone's on twitter um and what i mean by that is um everyone actually has almost become like an amateur reporter haven't they yeah um people can report stuff on social media which again beats you as a journalist do you know what i mean back in the old days that wouldn't have happened that they they would be ringing you with the story they'd say hey justin i've got a tip off about this happening now people go on social media so i i, I that really has just changed the whole the whole way it is and of course you know people buy less newspapers now than they did because you can get it online uh, so i think that's the biggest challenge is out I, I, I think by the way journalism itself won't die of course it won't it will just go online and, and that, that that's that it's just getting the balance right between print and online at the moment i think i think that's the biggest challenge I, obviously reporting will just evolve into what it is today like say using social media more uh, look, i look, spoke look, to uh you know sorry dennis Carry on. Just right. I spoke to a, a journalist uh, slash author, John Coleman, from up here, and he had said I'd asked him something similar, and he said, "You're quick or you're dead." That's the way it is today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you can't hold on to things. I mean, I mean, look. I mean, I have a column uh, that comes out every Monday, so you, you have to kind of think like, what what's going to be on the agenda on Monday morning? You have to kind of look ahead at things. You have to do things a little bit differently. Because an idea that you have, like like today, I I, I work uh, Tuesday to Saturday as it happens. So today's my first day 
back at work for the week and i'm and i and i've already got to think like what's my column going to be next monday but so many things can happen between now and monday you know so yeah so, so again as i was saying earlier where, where your networking comes in so you, you you can think of ideas and you know that actually i've got an idea which hopefully no one else has come up with <laughs> and you can get to that person and do a nice interview with someone and and, and that will hold on monday you know but uh, yeah uh, but but yeah breaking stories you you've got to break it straight away really um you, you know you've got no choice so if you were trapped in an elevator and there was no way out, who would you most want to be trapped in the elevator with and who would you least want to be trapped in the elevator with oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word most and least oh god you know what you're asking such good questions um, and so difficult to, oh, oh no i because the thing is right I, I, i'm gonna upset a lot of people aren't i whatever i answer <laughs> <laughs> Most, most of, oh my word! Um, what in football, right? Anything at all. It's, if you could be trapped in a little bit with anybody from any time zone, alive or dead, on who would you most like to be, and obviously right. who would you least like to be? Right. I think most it would be Bobby Moore. Wow. Because yeah. obviously, you know, I, I was West Ham. I am a West Ham fan, um, and obviously a proud Englishman as well. Um, and you know, World Cup winner. Um, yeah, you know, and I, 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 I watched. I mean, I was too young to remember him playing, but I remember watching all the documentaries and all the old videos, and you know, just the way he conducted himself. Really, I mean, what, 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 what you know, and he, he didn't have much pace, but he could read the game, couldn't he? And and uh, I always thought he, he got treated quite badly by West Ham towards the end of his life. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it really, really appallingly. But no, I'd love to be trapped in an elevator with with him. The least, oh my god, um, that is so so tough. Probably Jose Mourinho, simply because he falls out with people quite quickly, doesn't he? But you, you know, he'd be all right <laughs> for a little short while. Tempered. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so, bored quickly. <laughs> Maybe Jose, but by, by the way, funny enough, I did get stuck, not stuck in the elevator, but I was in an elevator with him once. Um, I'm trying to think where it was. It was out. I think it was out in the states. It was a Chelsea pre-season tour and uh, he, he was very nice he was very nice uh, but I wouldn't want to be trapped in an elevator with him no I wouldn't I wouldn't fancy that either <laughs> uh, for me it would be I'd love to be if I, if I could chat with anybody but John F. Kennedy I'd love to pick his brain especially with the current situation yeah. and what it's like and yeah. I think yeah. least I think for me it would be Matt Hancock because Matt Hancock <laughs> when he, whenever he talks I honestly I start cancelling dental appointments because I think to be honest <laughs> I could probably pull my own teeth out and it'd be a lot, le- a lot more pleasurable than listening to him talk <laughs> Listeners, I don't know if they're watching. They've been watching the new spitting image. Uh, there's a fantastic character, Matt Hancock, uh, where he, he literally says something really stupid, and then, and then everyone just ignores him. And he goes, "Oh, I'll just go and stand behind this plant." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! And by the way, another one, Jurgen Klopp. I'm loving your, the Jurgen Klopp uh, puppet that they've got because you know he's always positive, isn't he? He's yeah, absolutely. Positive. So they've just taken the Mickey out of him, something proper, you, you know. So yeah, de- def- definitely check check that out. <laughs> Who's the most difficult person you've had to interview? Who's been the most awkward and most difficult? Most awkward and most difficult. Um, um most awkward and most difficult. Yeah. Well, well, this interview is turning into an awkward and difficult. No, I don't mean so- <laughs> Most, most, most awkward and difficult. Do you know what? There are lots of them. There are lots of them. 
that, that that can be awkward and difficult. And it's usually after a defeat. It's usually after a defeat when when they're in a really bad mood. Uh, they can, people can be quite awkward. But in terms of one where you're you're at an interview, I think Vinnie Jones actually, just because I thought he was scary. You know, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> And he said, he said, you better give. I think he was, he was, um, he was endorsing something. He was endorsing some kit manufacturers, whatever. And I think the condition of the interview was that you had to give them a little bit of a plug. And he goes, you, you make sure they do, otherwise, 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 I, you know, otherwise, I, you know. And he, and I, I didn't even need him to finish the sentence. Otherwise, you, you, you yeah, know, that's I'll, enough. <laughs> yeah. I'll take Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll definitely. I've got the point. I get the hint. To me, I would. I think uh, Ian Holloway would be one of the greatest guys. I think. I think he'd be great to interview. I think he's funny. Yeah. I've just done a match report and used regarding our weekend's fixtures and game, and I used a few of his quotes, especially description of a, a picking a yeah. good-looking girl and picking a bad-looking girl. So Ian Holloway uh, for me would be. <laughs> do you like my, my um, the best person I've interviewed? I mean, I mean, obviously interviewed loads of great, honestly, lots of great people. I'll tell you who it was. It was Dame Vera Lynn. Oh wow. <laughs> And and you and people might ask why why were you interviewing as a football journalist Dame Vera Lynn? Well, again, it goes back to my, my my local team down in Kent, Dover Athletic. They had an FA Cup run where I think they got to the third round one year, and the fans sing the White Cliffs of Dover, which obviously is a very iconic wartime yep. song. He sang, so I thought, wouldn't it be cool to get her to meet some of the Dover players, you know, given that the, the, their their song, their terrace song, is her song, um, and and I got in contact with 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 her daughter, and she said, yes, my mum would be delighted. So I got in contact with the FA. I said, "Is there any chance we can get the FA Cup down to Ditchley in Sussex, where where Dame Vera lives?" Um, Dover Athletic obviously were delighted. That, 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 oh, absolutely. That, that, so we, uh, the chairman Jim Palmer, to the uh, the manager at the time Martin Hayes, the ex um, um, uh, Arsenal player, um, and um, Adam Birchall, who was the striker for Dover, we took them three gentlemen along with the FA Cup to Dame Vera Lynn's house, and oh my God, it was like visiting your favourite grandmother. Um, you know, she had an open fire. Uh, the place was full of antiques. I mean, she was in she was in her early nineties even then. Um, just talking about old wartime stories about, you know, when the sirens went off, she didn't bother going into the air raid showers. She just put a little tin hat on and would just go about her daily business. You know, I just found that sort of stuff inspirational, you know. So for me, that was wonderful. And just the fact that she was she was doing the interview to give Dover Little Dover Athletics some coverage, I thought that was wonderful. It really was. And so yeah, for me, Dame Vera Lynn was probably the best interview I've done in terms of in football. By the way, I, I I've got a lot of time for Danny Cowley, who just lost his job at Huddersfield, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I think he's great. I, he's managed. I think he's managing eight of the top nine divisions in England. It's only the Premier League he's not done. And because he's come from that route from non-league football, he gets it. He gets the fans. He gets. He get. He gets. He, and he gets football at all levels. Do you understand? And 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 he get. He's never forgotten his roots. So I've I've always enjoyed chatting with him as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, Concord Rangers, Braintree Town, Lincoln City, Huddersfield. What a guy! Yeah. He's some yeah. bloke. 
So it's unbelievable, unbelievable, and um, you know I can't believe it as well because I mean I think he took over where they, they, they you know I think no team after nine games for the position they were in or ten games whatever it was has ever stayed up. <laughs> so he keeps them up, and then he gets sacked. <laughs> it's just unbelievable, you know. But um, but yeah, no, just just do you know what I I, I really I, I, it's great when you meet football characters out away from the um the clubs themselves away from the clubs themselves because it, it they they usually have these media relation officers and and they're there and, and they they interrupt when you're chatting you can't have a proper conversation sometimes i love meeting people away from it because you can just have a proper chat and talk as just two people and you get to know someone really really well and then when you write an article of course it ref- it's reflective in the piece um so so actually when we talk about biggest challenges earlier they're, they're quite a challenge to meet the media relations people because they they kind of restrict your access to, to the people um but then of course if you if you do your networking right you get to know them personally and then you get the opportunity to yeah come on justin let's meet each other for lunch or let's go and meet at this hotel and you can have a good old proper chat and chat about everything to your heart's content i mean i'm suggesting the danny coley link there maybe because he's a west ham fan as well yeah (laughs) i'll tell you what i'll tell you a funny story actually the reason how i know him Right, is actually through Braintree Town. Uh, not Braintree. I'm sorry, not Braintree Town. Uh, Concord, Concord Rangers. Concord Rangers. Yeah. And, and what what it was, yeah. Um, at Concord Rangers, um, they had a great FA Cup run. I used to do a lot of stuff for the FA Cup. I loved the FA Cup. I always loved it when the small teams uh, were playing in the early rounds because there was always so many great stories. And Concord are actually nicknamed the Beach Boys. <laughs> so I had this idea. Why don't we mock up a bit? Be- well, not mock up. Let's reenact a Beach Boys album cover so the, the idea was we took um a, a four or five of the uh the, the players down to canvey island beach because that's where where they're based with a surfboard and recreated an album cover with the fa cup and that's what we did and then i knew danny through that and then obviously when, when he had those uh, that incredible run with lincoln um yeah i mean i mean I, you know i don't think that had been done for about 100 years had it so no. uh, yeah extraordinary well in wrapping up Justin it's been an absolute pleasure for me and I always ask my guests if there's any song I could play from what would it be and what would your favourite song be I could play for you any song yeah what can I play for you after this well it's got to be uh, well look look. as a West Ham fan it's got to be on Forever Blowing Bubbles sorry for everyone who hates West Ham now (laughs) (laughs) Justin Allen it's been an absolute pleasure and it's been great having you on the show Thank you for coming on the Girls Like a podcast, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Really, it's been a pleasure, Dennis. All the best. And yourself, Justin. Take care. Are you ready?
thanks very much, Justin. And I've just played you the very last ever singing of I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles at the Ambling Ground. I'm Dennis Devon. This is Guildford Gazette Podcast Halloween Special.